I'm Kurt Anderson, and welcome to Back to Resilience in Action. Today, we are talking with Brian Scott. Brian uh, was uh, one of the participants in the SRECon Americas Conference back in March, at which he talked about his role as an SRE evangelist. So I wanted to follow up with him and find out more about that role and how it has come to be a thing at his company. And so, Brian, would you like to introduce yourself to our audience? Yeah, definitely. Uh, thanks. Um, so I'm Brian Scott, uh, currently in a uh, chief technologist role or, t or tech evangelist role uh, with a large media and entertainment company based in the Burbank area. Uh, we do like to kind of like mouse around. Um, and uh, yeah, I've kind of been, uh, you know, been giving actually a few talks recently uh, around SRE and how to implement it across a large enterprise. Uh, most recently at uh, SRECon, but then also at SCALE, uh, which is the uh, Southern California Linux Expo uh, within, uh, like, you know, Southern uh, Cal here. Mm -hmm. Cool. Um, so how'd you come to get involved with SRE? Let's start with that before we talk about how to implement it in a company. Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, so, you know, I've been in the industry for roughly about 25 years. Um was very fortunate to start out in tech uh, right out of high school. I actually ran the network in my high school and then immediately after that uh, worked for a very large retail company, um, primarily uh, like brick and mortar stores doing you know IT uh, and then moved a couple around through some startups, um, some pretty cool startups in like the dot-com era. So like places like MySpace, um, a lot of high scale applications and moved into really supporting large-scale dot-coms. Um, and at the company that I'm at now, I've been there for roughly 10 years, um, started out in a group that was more focused on taking advantage of the internet, right? Like this big giant boom mm -hmm. of the internet. How do we kind of take advantage of that? How do we rebrand ourselves uh, from an entertainment company really wanting to take advantage of like online properties? Mm -hmm. And so I started out in, in, in a very small group um, supporting the the flagship uh, um, like company brand uh, of this company for, for their online presence, uh, helping launching various new different products uh, very quickly. And so uh, mostly at that time, so this is like 2012, 2013, uh, 2014, um, a lot of online gaming. So launching new games, taking advantage of all the IP that this company was actually building and creating. And we quickly noticed that the company started growing in many different areas. So all these other acquisitions like started happening, uh, mm -hmm. so, you know, some most recently, you know, with the galaxy far, far away. And so we really had to uh, strategize and kind of figure out how we, we were going to scale operations and development. Um, now the company that I currently work for is broken out into multiple different companies, but we do kind of operate all as one. Um, in the sense of, from an SRE perspective, we really partner with a lot of the different segments and, and business units. And so for me, growing in that internet group and then starting to kind of expand and start building out other teams to help all these segments and business units really came apparent. Um, and so during my early career there, um, I was uh, fortunate enough to help grow and build a lot of these SRE teams and embed them into different business units across the company and really start doing the actual knowledge share. And I think that's the actual secret, right? Is, hey, team A over here that's embedded with like this sports BU is collaborating now with this 
SRE team not supporting something like streaming and getting to actually share mm-hmm. ideals and technology in many different ways on how they're solving many of the same problems, but just in different ways. And so at the time I had roughly about, you know, five or six teams. Um, and not only do we have our own standups and our own, our own ways of working with like the project managers within each segment, but I would bring them together every month. So we can actually start, start like collaborating and kind of share those ideals, automation, things like Terraform modules. Uh, at that time, roughly about 2012, 2013, it was all about Chef. So Chef was kind mm-hmm. of really brought into the company. And that's where we kind of really built the, this uh, library of cookbooks to allow SREs or operators at the time to actually start developing these cookbooks and we would host them in this online library, mainly at the time on, on GitHub. And the way that we helped teams like collaborate on all this automation is we would uh, pick librarians. So folks from all across the company that would meet up once a month, and we would go through this software lifecycle of reviewing all the requests that people made for, for features to be brought into these cookbooks. And so that's kind of early stages of really how um, SRE and DevOps and all the automation kind of really came to be. Uh, within mm-hmm. like this media company. Okay. And then, uh, yeah. And then there was a fundamental shift, right? Towards like containers. And so that's kind of where I'm at now and kind of really that that five to like six year journey of, of uh, how we started to really help teams uh, or help our business units build these SRE teams focused in, in different pillars. So initially these five or six teams were all, you were managing these five or six teams, is that right? And then that's correct. kind of moved an extra level of interaction by getting like a librarian, almost like a team lead from these different teams, if I'm understanding correctly. Yeah. So each one of our teams, we, we try to uh, incorporate a, a team lead. Um, that is usually someone who's very passionate about leading a team. Um, someone who's typically in a staff or senior staff role. Mm-hmm. Um, and so staffs and senior staffs are treated more like leaders on a team, really engaging with the business unit to ensure that the SRE team is meeting the demand and the needs uh, of the products that that business unit is, is actually creating. Um, mm-hmm. And so a lot of times it's that SRE team's job to hold quarterly business reviews with that business unit to talk about all the products that they're managing for them from a infrastructure up like, like a perspective, talk mm-hmm. about all the incidents as well, all the postmortems, and then also from a cost optimization standpoint, work with that business unit's finance teams as well to help them cost optimize for whatever products they're running either on-prem or in the cloud. So that team sure. lead role is really important. Yeah, that sounds like it. Um, how, how do you pick which, uh, business units, uh, or sub organizations get SRE teams? Cause that's SREs are always in demand and it seems like there's yes. always more demand than there are people. Yeah. Um, as my leader always says, uh, SRE is a scarce resource. And yeah. so, you know, we really have to focus on high value targets. Um, and so really for us, um, we are the, the core of, of our SRE organization is within corporate, but do understand that every pillar within this media company, we do have um, they they do have their own technology centers, right? So they have their yeah. own SRE teams that work directly for 
each pillar, but we're looked at more as professional services. So we, although we have a dedicated SRE team embedded in every one of these pillars within this media company supporting all the various businesses, we also work with their technology teams that, that directly work for that for that business unit and or that, that that segment. So a lot of the work that we get is actually word of mouth um, or, hey, this one business unit is their leaders or their CTO is talking to a, a different CTO. And suddenly we get an email and it's like and it turns into a whole <laughs> new engagement. Um, so a lot of our engagements um, are sh- are short and long. We have engagements where, hey, a product team just needs an SRE for a fraction uh, of a day to fix huh. something. Um, it could be just connecting two teams together. Like this dev team wants to understand, hey, how, how do we incorporate SSO or single sign-on mm-hmm. in- into our um, application and where we might dive in with them for like two or three weeks and then, and then that engagement will end and we'll move on to the next one. Or in some cases... Uh, we have engagement that's, that may last six months where we're building out infrastructure, helping the dev team with like CI, CD, uh, fully embedded in their scrums. And then at that point in time, we may hand off the work onto the centralized technology team that's in that segment and move on to the next thing. So our engagements can go from anywhere from a few hours to a few weeks to even a few years. Um, currently, I've been personally embedded uh, with one um, current uh, BU that focuses on a galaxy far, far away. Uh, and I've been there for roughly six months, uh, right? So these engagements are, are very uh, like variable depending on what that business unit or that product team needs. And so okay. again, a lot of it is, is very much like word of mouth uh, or especially from since my role is the evangelism, me going out and actually talking to teams, right? Um, and a good example of that is I may come across someone in Slack having a problem and I might say, Hey, do you want to jump on zoom for 15 minutes and we can kind of power through it like together, this could be the first mm-hmm. time I'm meeting this person, or it could be a person that I just randomly talk to every so often. So, so, so sometimes I'm just reaching out to people who I, I never, I never met before. And then next thing I know, it turns into a full on engagement and they want more of our help. Okay. Interesting. So tell me a little bit more about this tech evangelist role. I mean, you certainly you don't just troll Slack all day looking for people who need your help. <laughs> yeah, uh, definitely. So um, obviously, you know, managing teams uh, was you know, taking a lot of my time. Um, mm-hmm. And so um, during that time as a SRE manager, um, I really started getting into the knack of helping out many different teams across the entire enterprise. Now, this company is built of roughly 220,000 employees. So I'm meeting pretty someone size. new every single day. Yeah, pretty good size, right? Yeah. So um, naturally, a good 30 to 40% of my time was actually helping teams learn and discover new technology, but also um, helping them find a SRE team to actually to actually to actually go out and like support like their needs so a lot of my time started really moving already towards this evangelist role where i'm evangelizing technology i'm helping business units understand what tech or what new tech is actually out there helping teams solve problems but also connecting teams together so think of it as like being the bees like cross-pollinating right across Mm -hmm. all these many different flowers and so my leader and I were talking and we're like, you know what? I think we need a 
dedicated evangelist role. Now, in some other companies like Microsoft or, or Amazon, you may hear the term of like DevRel, right? Where yeah. you have these developer uh, advocates or like Microsoft has like, has like the cloud advocates. Well, we thought it might be that time for this company to have a SRE evangelist. Um, okay. And so I'm, so I immediately moved into that role. Um, and so I'm now supporting our teams in a direct like capacity from an IC perspective, that's a individual like contributor. And I'm now mm-hmm. not only sending out newsletters with updates on what different types of technology teams are actually working on, but I'm also creating internal podcasts, working on vlogs where I'm actually doing interviews with engineers internally uh, and posting them onto a, a medium that other engineers can actually watch and consume. Mm-hmm. But I'm also distilling a lot of technology updates in bite-sized chunks for our executive you know, leadership to actually consume and quickly get an understanding of what different teams are, are actually working on at a high level. Okay. Interesting. That's uh, two sides to the role that I hadn't anticipated the sort of yeah. the educate the executives being one of yeah. them. Um, yeah, I, I I think it's important because, you know, obviously they have a lot of things to think about. So being able to, to kind of showcase what our engineering teams are working on and how they're mm-hmm. not only bringing happiness to other employees of the company, but how the value that they're adding eventually affects the customers that we're actually serving on, on the outside. So I think it's very sure. important and it really gives engineers that visibility that they may not have time for. Right. Right. Um, what's in your experience, what's been the hardest um, part of the SRE mindset for organizations to grasp and kind of take hold of? Um, I think it's the ability to fail fast, um, putting in a good agile process. That's probably the biggest part of it. But to be mm-hmm. honest, is being able to come up with, hey, SRE works in sprints as well, not just on developers, right? We can be part of your sprint cycles. We can work in a very agile way. Um, we can be able to actually fail fast and, and actually treat our whole process as a software development lifecycle process. Um, a lot of organizations, even within our own business, that you know, it, uh, within like this media company, is still operating in a very much waterfall way. And so, getting them to think about agile, getting them to, to to think about, hey, it's okay if we're deploying, you know, twenty, thirty times a day. Um, mm-hmm. It's more about how do we get, um, get you know, create the ability for our businesses to move fast, fail fast, but also be successful, and have a way to think about like reliability in a different way. Um, some of those things are, hey. Let's treat postmortems as a learning process, right? Let's remove the actual blame part of it, right? Mm-hmm. Let's make it more about educating others and being successful to, together. And that incident is, again, just a learning opportunity. That doesn't mean that we're doing something wrong. It means that we need to iterate and make and, and, and improve. So it's really taking all the principles of SRE and really educating these product teams and or these business units that may not have never operated in that model, but before, especially for business units that are used to going out to some external vendor to get like their website made or to get like their product made, right? And then suddenly mm-hmm. this vendor comes in 
And now it's this black box or it's built in a way that's not very like reliable and or scalable. So we within SRE tend to think of ourselves as technology like Sherpas. Um, we also work with our business units if they have external vendors and we do, we do vendor reviews, we do third-party reviews of let's say some external SaaS solution. So if we're trying to bring in some vendor solution like a, a CICD product or something, we'll do mm -hmm. a full review with our security teams and really help the BU understand the pros and cons of like using such of a, a, a technology. Okay. Yeah, that that's a great role. I have not necessarily encountered other teams um, aspiring to that role or, or taking that degree of proactive uh, involvement with the business units, but yeah. that's great because you've got the technology insights to, to really enhance some of that things such as yeah. the vendor reviews. I think um, one of the great things too, because the company that I'm in does have a lot of um, uh, hands in, 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 in a different pots, if you will, um, our SREs are able to actually move around and gain different knowledge, share knowledge. So I might take someone who's working on like streaming and move them into a place where, hey, we're deploying physical attractions on-prem, right? Mm -hmm. So you can think of like the happiest place on, on earth. Well, now we're taking mm -hmm. the SRE mindset and we're applying it to, to these physical attractions in let's say a park uh, and, and allowing these SREs to gain a whole different knowledge and bring that knowledge from this other engagement that they were already doing for X number of years and really learning something new and applying those same principles and, 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 and vice versa. Right. Right. Yeah. I imagine there's a, the, a few different uh, aspects when you're coordinating with physical hardware than if you're just doing it in software. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So it's really, um, you know, again, um, I think there are some core principles to SRE that applies to almost everything. Um, and I would say one of those also core pillars, which like Kelsey Hightower tends to kind of talk about is empathy engineering, right? It's really taking it to the next level and thinking about your engineering and think about how it, it's actually going to affects, uh, affect another engineer who's either going to take over your work or, or who's going to assist you in your work and really making it a, a pleasant experience for everyone on your team to contribute that same infrastructure as code or to the same like CIC pipelines that you're currently building. Mm -hmm. um, how have you seen uh, reliability evolve over your the last 10 years or so? Um, is it becoming more common for executives and, and engineers to consider reliability or is it still an uphill kind of push to get that in there? Oh, yeah, I would say now it's probably more like normal practice. Um, the ability of before, you know, I would have to talk to like developers and or a vendor and say, okay, did you build in like session, like good session management? And can sessions actually live across multiple instances of your application? But now I would say reliability is now a much more commonplace today than it was even five years ago, um, especially now with, you know, cloud. I think even there are some companies that are coming full circle, right? That are coming back to on-prem and taking a lot of the principles they've learned about liability in the cloud and bringing that back to on-prem. So a, a good example of this is, you know, five years ago, we didn't think about, oh, we live in a single data center. We're fine. Well, no, it's now it's like, okay, well, your app isn't a single data center, but the product team has defined that they need a level of liability 
to recover from an outage in that data center. So now you're technically in a single AZ versus a multi-AZ or a multi-region setup. So now mm-hmm. we're taking a lot of the principles that we learned around creating SLIs, creating SLOs. And I think now it's very much more common practice that teams are thinking about liability in a very different way. Now, obviously there is a emergence of like serverless infrastructure and these um, platforms like Fly and like Heroku uh, as well as like Versil, they're now allowing you to not even have to think about that, right? You just deploy like mm-hmm. your static site or your, or your front end. And a lot of the liability aspects are kind of already taken care of for you. But then there's the other notion of this where, hey, now that we're built all on containers, well, now we can migrate applications pretty quickly to a new site and where it might be okay for us to be, you know, to be down for that one or two minutes while that workload is, 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 is like shifting. And I think um, to kind of end it, I think a good, uh, what I'm really happy to actually start seeing is, hey, there is no such thing as 100% uptime, which is great because before a lot of the <laughs> uphill battle is like, no, we have to be up 100% of the time. And typically, like an SRE's answer to that is like, okay, well, the more nines you want equals more dollar signs, right? Yep. So it's really getting the product teams to think about, okay, uh, what are our SLOs and, and SLIs and are the outcomes that we expect from our product and how they affect our customer? Is it okay if we can be down for a few minutes? And I think a big example of this is during the WWDC conference over in Apple. I think it was earlier this year or, or last year. Apple took down the Apple store for, you know, 20 minutes while they were updating the site and it took the internet by storm and wow. it really showed, Hey, it's okay to go down for a little while because they're making the experience better. Uh-huh. So I think at, at the end of the day, everyone needs to kind of pull down the shades and just realize, Hey, we're all humans. Right. So we have to think about liability. We got to think about how do we reduce like failure cases, not make it perfect, but how do we keep ourselves to stay curious and keep on iterating over making things better? Right, right, yeah. Iterating, making things better, continuous improvement, all the, all part of the SRE game, isn't it? Yep, yep. Yeah. So yeah, um, I, I think SRE like, definitely plays a key role in that. Yeah. Um, how do you structure your teams for, or or how is on-call handled? Because that's always a perennial topic of uh, interest to people. Do you go with like multiple teams in separate geographies? Do you just have a single team that's large enough that they can handle a reasonable rotation? Is it a mix? Um, yeah, just um, great question. So I'll be very transparent. Um, I do not believe in the knock and I, and I'll tell you why the knock can serve. I served on a knock for like many years. Um, there is definitely a place uh, for a knock type of, of a center within a, like a organization. One of them is like communication to executives and to other teams, which I think is great. Now from an on-call perspective, uh, when I was managing teams, I focused on building very small teams. Now, uh, to give you an example of that is I managed a very uh, small team uh, or like one of my teams was a small team of three SREs supporting a um, a streaming service that's not one of the top three, but it's a separate streaming service that roughly about, I would say, you know, fairly high number of users uh, mm-hmm. 
fairly large um, scope in in terms of infrastructure, right? We we, we ran a couple of different uh, number of uh, Kubernetes clusters. We were only had three people, and we designed it in a way where we really took advantage of automation to allow our team of three to not only support infrastructure of roughly, just to give you a scale, five hundred nodes or, or more, okay, uh, mm-hmm. w- within within like a cloud provider, but able to empower our developers to not only contribute to infrastructure as code, but to do so in a way that reduced the the load and the amount of work that the SRE team had to do during an actual incident. So Mm -hmm. the reliability piece really played into that. When you carefully plan out your infrastructure and carefully design a good model, you can operate large-scale infrastructure with a very small team. That's exactly how I built my teams. Uh, my teams, again, I had five teams. No team was bigger than three to five people. And each team operated roughly anywhere from very from one very large product or to a couple of thousand smaller products. So you can imagine uh, you know, uh, a team where we're running, uh, as an example, let, let's just say uh, a thousand different websites and those are ranging from node.js to python to wordpress to very elaborate you know like microsoft um a the microservice type uh-huh. uh, you know uh, like like uh what is it like build out but we we built the automation not only through chatbots and through a git flow system within gitlab but we really empowered again the devs to push out changes as needed so if there was an incident at, let's say, 2 a.m., and that particular feature or bug only affected a subset of users, because we had already sat with the product owners to define the SLIs and SLOs for all of our services, we ended up moving all the noise down to where we really only um, reached out to an actual on-call person or an on-call engineer if it really impacted like the actual customer. Now, as far as how we designed that on-call model, um, we have what's called a incident manager and the incident manager role rotates across different managers. So not only the SRE manager, but the QA manager, the product manager, including the the software manager and the Mm -hmm. incident role would rotate every Sunday, just as the SRE on-call role would change every Sunday. So the incident manager's job when they got the actual page uh, was, hey, this particular feature, well, I have to reach out to team A, B, and C. So while they focused on on our communications and pulling in other teams, the SRE can actually focus on the actual incident and and getting it resolved. Uh-huh. Very good. That's, uh, you know, that, that sounds like it's by the book. Um, yeah. You've got yeah. SLOs. You only alert people when it's actually affecting the customer. That's awesome. Now, I would say that every team wasn't perfect. Obviously, there were some teams that didn't have SLIs and and SLOs and focused more on, you know, again, firefighting. But I think every team is going to be at a different level when it comes to SRE and and Uh, Mm on-call. But I would say there's definitely a lot more mature today than it was a few years ago. And to where now we're relying on services like PagerDuty, didn't, didn't an actual human actually paging out? Right, 
Right. Um, so what are you seeing that's interesting to you on the technology forefront? You mentioned before the we started the recording that you're doing a lot with Kubernetes and education around Kubernetes uh, for folks and in your tech evangelism role. What are you seeing coming next that's interesting oh, to you? Oh, good question. Uh, man, I get asked this question a lot. So I, I, I do want to see serverless take more of a role, which it already is in like Kubernetes um, I think right now we're seeing things like Knative, right, which powers like Google Cloud Run. We're seeing Lambda. We're seeing all these providers really push on the like, serverless front. And we're realizing that Kubernetes is actually powering a lot of this like, functionality on the back end. So Kubernetes is now turning into this fabric, right, that not allows teams to not only jump around between cloud providers, but it's becoming this common API that any company can now leverage to give the sense of serverless to empower developers to move fast. Mm -hmm. um, so I think Kubernetes is now finding its home. It's now becoming uh, more commonplace than just some cool edgy tech that we should go try out. Um, and I think secondly, I think AI and ML are taking center stage in a lot of the SRE and DevOps tooling that we are you know, starting to actually use. We're seeing AI incorporated into incident management, uh, chatbots making decisions. Uh, we're now seeing the emergence of CDKs. So not only are SREs and developers shifting from things like infrastructure as code with things like Pulumi and, and, and like Terraform, but we're seeing SREs and developers now incorporate uh, infrastructure as code using CDKs directly into their applications so a good example of this is you know i'm a sre or i'm a developer and my python application needs redis and mysql oh now mm -hmm. i can literally have my application talk to let's say amazon via the cdk and pre-provision those services on on start without having an, like an sre pre-build those services uh before they actually deploy the actual application so really allowing the application to define its needs versus the human uh, defining and building its needs. So I wanna say uh, self-service is one, AIML, and then Kubernetes uh, as becoming kind of a backbone fabric into infrastructure. Okay. Um, how much of a role do you find uh, for like an internal developer platform, uh, a number of companies like Spotify and and Netflix have built these kind of internal frameworks that almost meet what you're describing there in terms of check the boxes of the other ancillary supporting services you need when your service instantiates. Yeah. Um, do you find that to be a, a productive direction to go, or do you have have you used any of those? Yeah, so uh, we uh, we built several of our own uh, within the company I work for, just like everyone else. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, yeah. I would say there is a certain use case for it. Um, I think it makes sense depending on the use case. Like if you uh, are are a small team or a organization that is uh, that wants to empower your developers to move in a uh, in a uh, what I call the golden road, right, where there's guardrails mm -hmm. and there's everything's built in from a security perspective that's great 
What I think where you start to go, go downhill on is if you pigeonhole your engineers into a platform like that for a very long time. And I, and I, mm. I say that because after a while, while you're keeping your developers and your engineers on this golden path with this platform that, that you built, you somewhat put blinders on them and they kind of forget how the platform runs from a technical perspective and all the gears that move behind it. But also you're stifling innovation. You're not allowing your your engineers to actually innovate because you're putting them on this golden path that they can't really veer off of. So I would say platforms like that are good and bad as long as you have the visibility and the know-how to say, okay, it's time to make a change and either innovate on this platform or making sure that you're incorporating the latest and greatest technology that may bring more value to your engineers if you're going to provide a, a platform as such. Ah, great, great insight. The, the double-edged sword of, of yeah. the golden road. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yep. Awesome. Um, well, we are about at time uh, for this episode. Any parting thoughts that you'd like to share with the audience, Brian? And thank you very much for having been a guest. Yeah, thank you so much. Um, I would say uh, to everyone out there as a technologist, you know, stay curious, uh, always learn. Um, and again, really push others to be like successful, like really be that great partner to want to teach others. Excellent. Well, thank you, Brian. And this has been another episode of Resilience in Action. 